Last week we had the ordination of Pastor Eric Wayman. I guess this week we have the restoration of Pastor Eric Wayman. That slide is disturbing. All right. So we are in the midst of a, a sermon series. We're slowly working through uh, Psalm 23. And we've been taking it really slowly. So far we have gotten about two verses in. We're going to take the third one today. And if you know it, you can just repeat it with me. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet or still waters. He restores my soul. Let's stop there for a moment. He restores my soul. You know, that, that part of that passage, those first three verses, were to me like a lifeline about six years ago when I was in the midst of it just felt like this incredible storm where I was out of control or maybe this change up the metaphor a little bit. It was like a drink of water for somebody who'd been wandering through the wilderness for a time and it was just so parched and exhausted that it was life to me. I'd been uh, working at a church called Rock Harbor down the street. I was a, a father of a one-year-old son trying to figure that whole thing out. Um, and I'd been teaching some classes over at Vanguard University, and to say that I was running fast would be an understatement. I was just going and going and going, and I'd come home at the end of the night, and Kathy would be like, are you going to spend any time with Ethan and myself? Like, are you, do we get you too? Do you minister to us? And I'm thinking in the back of my mind, like, lay off. I'm doing all of this for you. Isn't it enough that I'm providing food on the table and I show up back at the end of the night? Like, give me some space. And not only was my marriage suffering, but my relationship with God during that season was really suffering. I, I, it was a lot like Martha during that time. I was doing a ton of things for him, but forgetting about the fact that I needed to actually rest in him so that I could be ministering out of the overflow rather than out of the emptiness. Um, and it was, in a lot of ways, I was redlining in the fast lane, and I was headed for a breakdown, but I couldn't see it. I was just head down going as fast as I could. But interestingly, people around me could see it. They were aware that there was something amiss. Um, I mean, it was, it was affecting not only my marriage, but even my ministry was being affected negatively. I can recall several weekends where we had multiple services at Rock Harbor, and I, towards the evening, was like, I don't even feel like going back in the service again. So instead, I would grab a book and I'd go read in my office as opposed to going and ministering to people. There was something up. And my boss one day called me into his office and he said, Eric, I'm really concerned about you. Because the, the joyful, energetic person that I knew, I haven't seen him in a while. And I miss him. And I'm concerned about you. So here's what I want you to do. It was a Tuesday. He goes, I want you to go home for the rest of the week. Just take the rest of the week. Go home. Be with Kathy, connect with God, and see if you can figure out what's going on with you. And then we'll talk at the end of the week. And I know that he was doing that out of his care for me, trying to love on me, but I'll tell you, it felt a lot like I had just been called into the principal's office and suspended. And I went home, and I kind of collapsed into the couch, and Kathy's like, what are you doing home? I'm just like, thankfully Ethan was asleep at that point, and I was just able to kind of go, I broke. And for the next couple hours, we just prayed. Ethan woke up. We prayed. She took care of him. I prayed. Read scripture. The next morning, I woke up earlier than anybody else. And I was just sitting in scripture. And I, I, God gave me a vision during that time. I don't even remember at what point it was. But he gave me this vision of myself in a bed trying to kind of convalesce a little bit. Recuperate. And the sheet was up to my neck in this vision, and it, it was like the sheet was pulled away, and I saw this dry, withered, emaciated body underneath. And I knew that that was my spirit, my soul, that had been so dried, because I was pouring out, not out of the overflow, but out of the dregs. Because I wasn't connecting with God at all. My relationship with Him was bone dry, even though I was trying to minister to other people. And as I was sitting there early that morning, just kind of praying with God, and then doing one of those arbitrary lives. I happened upon Psalm 23. And I read these verses, which to me was as if they were the cry of my heart. 
as if God were speaking this directly to me. Eric, I am your shepherd. And I know exactly what you need. I am about to make you lie down in a green pasture. And he had to make me. I'm going to lead you beside some quiet waters. But ultimately, I'm going to restore your soul. And I desperately needed that. And he took the next several months, took Kathy and I into a season that felt a lot like a deep, dark valley, but in in hindsight, was a green pasture. And he just began that process of restoring me. And that that term, restore your soul, um, we might go, well, what, what does that mean? If you understand shepherding, you begin to understand that shepherds have a lot of responsibilities. One of them is to look for sheep that have fallen down and cannot get back up. A good shepherd is constantly on the lookout for sheep that have fallen over and either because their wool is too thick and it's gotten covered and caked in mud and brambles and twigs and stuff so it's too heavy or they've simply grown too fat and comfortable or they laid down. This is a picture of a sheep that has been cast down. We might think it looks funny like he's just relaxing, but here's the problem. He is so thick and his wool is so matted that his little legs can't get enough movement to get him over and he can stand up. He has been cast down. And if a sheep is left like that, then a matter of hours or a matter of days, he will die. And so one of the shepherd's responsibilities is to walk the fields and pay attention to where his sheep are. And if he doesn't see one of them after a time, then a good shepherd will go searching for them. Because oftentimes sheep get cast down. And the shepherd's responsibility is to go find those sheep. And we might think, because the analogy is that we are sheep like that, right? We get cast down for any number of reasons. Even believers get cast down, stumble into sin over and again, slam into the wall of of discouragement, maybe even begin to question our faith altogether. God, are you even there? Do you see what's going on? How on earth could you allow this to happen? And in that moment, we stumble and we fall flat on our face and we go, I'm done. I can go no further. I'm exhausted. And as a believer, one of the things that kind of percolates up, I don't know where it comes from, but it's this mindset that when I stumble and fall as a believer, when I stumble and fall as a pastor, my shepherd in heaven is disgusted with me. That he would be disappointed with me. That he would see me on my face in the muck, unable to get up and just go... I'm done with you and walk away. But the picture of a good shepherd is shepherds recognize that sheep get cast down, that they stumble and they fall. They realize that. And rather than being disgusted, rather than turning their back and walking away from the sheep, a good shepherd lovingly runs to the side of his sheep, leans down and begins to slowly help that sheep. And I, I watched a couple of videos of it this week of people helping Kath's sheep because a lot of times the sheep are just like, ah, trying to figure out how to get back up on that. that, that yeah, whatever, you know. So they're, they're trying to get up. And so the shepherd's like also trying to kind of avoid the flying hooves, but they, they will try to get these sheep back over. And some of them, the sheep was so exhausted. They had been in that position for so long that they literally were just done. And once he got them over on their feet, some of them would just jump up and start running because they were fi- glad to just finally have their feet back. But some of them, the blood had been kind of drained from their legs, so they would lay there. And the shepherd would just stand over his sheep and begin to rub the legs and rub the life back into them and slowly, gently, lovingly restoring that sheep so they can finally stand up. And that's the picture that we get of the shepherd, our shepherd, restoring us. He does it lovingly. I think of King David as a perfect example. The guy who wrote this psalm, who declared unapologetically, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not be in want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. David could speak to that out of a personal experience, multiple ones. Because even though he was the king of Israel, the one that everybody else looked to, the one that had been anointed to rule by God because he was a man after God's own heart, 
he still stumbled and fell right on his face. One example is found beginning in 2 Samuel chapter 11, where David, while the rest of his armies are out at battle, he's in his castle and he looks out and here's a woman bathing on on the rooftop and he goes, well, she's pretty. He invites her over and ultimately, long story short, he gets her pregnant. She happens to be the wife of one of his mighty men, one of his close friends, a guy named Uriah the Hittite, who just happens to be at war for him. And when David realizes that he's gotten her pregnant, kind of doubles down on bad choices. He says, well, maybe I can cover this up. Because we don't, you know, when we mess up, a lot of times our knee-jerk reaction is, how can I protect myself from being found out? So David did that. He invites Uriah to come back from battle, hoping that he will go and and stay with his wife. And when that doesn't happen, when he refuses because he is too upright, and he says, if the rest of the armies can't be at home, I won't be at home. So I'm going to camp here with the rest of the, the... the soldiers that are at the castle or at the, the palace as opposed to going home. And David realizes he can't get Uriah to go home. He ends up sending Uriah back to battle with a little note for the commander. And that note says, put Uriah at the front lines in the most terribly uh, contested area. And when he is engaged, fall back so that he will be killed. This is his friend, one of his mighty men. And in order to try to protect and preserve himself, he's willing to sacrifice Uriah's life. And sure enough, that's what happens. Uriah is killed. And in a matter of days, David's temptation has produced a harvest of adultery and murder. Even if he wasn't the one who swung the sword that killed Uriah, he ensured that it happened. And in that instance, God could have very easily looked at that cast shepherd who was really a sheep, gotten disgusted and walked away from them. He could have very easily taken not only the throne, but David's life. But instead, he sees a cast sheep, a man who has fallen down and desperately needs restoration. And so God moved towards him. He sent a a prophet named Nathan to come to David and to hold up a mirror so that metaphorically he told a story that helped David to see the hypocrisy of what he had done, the fact that he had sinned not only against Uriah and his wife, but against God. And David, for his part, didn't try to say, what are you talking about? Didn't try to deny it. He was humble enough to recognize his sin and humble enough to confess it. And I love I love the Psalms because they are such real, raw, honest places. If you'll turn with me to Psalm chapter 51, just for a moment. The Psalms are right in the middle of the Bible. And they are full of not only cries of praise for God, but also just heartfelt cries for help. A couple weeks ago in the youth group, we were talking about the fact that over a third of these are cries of lament, these psalms. They're cries of, God, where are you? Are you going to ignore me forever? The beautiful thing about the psalms is they're a reminder that we can bring ourselves just as we are before our God, and he's big enough to handle our full range of emotions, even anger, even sorrow, even discouragement, even questions. He's a big enough God to handle that. And in Psalm chapter 51, we're going to start in verse 10. We're not going to read all of it. But listen to David's cry in the midst of him being cast down to his shepherd. It says, Create in me a pure heart, O God. Renew a steadfast or a right spirit within me. Please don't cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. But restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. God, I recognize that I have fallen, I have stumbled, I have sinned. And I don't deserve life, let alone deserve intimate uh, relationship with you. I don't deserve the position you've given me. Father, please don't turn your back on me. But restore me. And sure enough, that's what God did to the point where when David wrote the 23rd Psalm, 
That was the cry. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. And so this morning, about halfway through our our time together, I, I just want to pause for a second. And I want us to just take a few minutes of silence to invite the Holy Spirit to speak to us. To, to kind of courageously pray, pray that prayer that David wrote at the end of Psalm 139 where he said, Search me and know me, God. Show me if there is any way in me that would ultimately lead to destruction. And so, Father, I pray that right now as we sit here, you would search us and know us. And you would reveal anything that could cause us to stumble. Anything that is causing us to stumble. Would you show us what we need to see And give us the courage to face it as David did, with humility and a willingness to to run to your feet. everything I need. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside quiet waters. He restores my soul. He leads me along paths of righteousness for His name's sake. Uh, For those of you who have this book, I've really enjoyed these last several chapters because they're written from a guy, a guy named Philip Keller, who was himself a shepherd who's worked with sheep, and so he's able to read this not only as a guy who loves Jesus Christ and, and this shepherd's psalm, Psalm 23, means a lot, but as somebody who has worked with sheep and so he can speak into perhaps the mindset that David had as he was writing this. And this is what he wrote in the beginning of chapter 6 about sheep. He said, Sheep are notorious creatures of habit. If left to themselves, they will follow the same trails until they become ruts. They will graze the same hills until they turn into desert wastes, pollute their own ground until it is corrupt with disease and parasites. In other words, a sheep left to its own devices will simply wander in the same area doing the same things day after day, week after week, And the little pathways that their feet carve will ultimately become ruts that they just keep going in. And when they go to these fields that initially are able to sustain them and nourish them, they'll not only crop all the grass, but as soon as the grass is gone, they'll begin to paw at the ground to get to the roots. And ultimately they turn it into a dry, dusty wasteland, what once had been able to save and nourish them. And so, a good shepherd one who cares for his sheep, recognizes that since they're creatures of habit, he needs to impose new habits. He needs to take them out of their comfort zone, sometime placing them into places that they would not otherwise go. Because sheep don't want to go somewhere that they're not familiar with. They don't want to take pathways that they haven't trodden before. They are comfortable with the comfortable, with the known, with the safe. And the good shepherd recognizes that they need to get somewhere else in order for them to be healthy. And so he will lead them out of the comfortable, familiar, the places that could no longer sustain them. Along sometimes pathways that are a bit treacherous, that are rocky. The sheep may be fearful of what's going on. I'm not used to this. But if they trust their shepherd more than they fear the unknown, they'll find that their shepherd knows what he's doing with them. And ultimately, he will lead them into pastures that can sustain them for that season. And he will continue to do this, oftentimes rotating them through several pastures, bringing them through different pathways in order to take care of them. And I read that and I go, and I think about me because I'm like, I'm totally the same way. I think a lot of us are a lot like sheep. We're creatures of habit. 
we find ourselves doing the same things day after day, week after week. And even though we, we see this law of diminishing returns taking place in our life, the things that we had given ourselves to, the things that we run to for solace, can give less and less solace to us. The things that we have run to to nourish us are, are quickly incapable of nourishing us in the same ways. I think of just as an analogy... If you've ever done any sort of exercise where you've gone to the gym and you start doing something and at first it takes a lot of effort to get it because your body's not used to it. You're using muscles that you're not used to using. But if you continue to do the same exercise every time you go to the gym, you're very quickly going to find that it becomes less strenuous, it taxes your body less, and ultimately you're going to get bored of it. And so some people will hire a, a personal trainer because the trainer recognizes this. this happens in your body. And this, if you do the same exercise, it's, it's going to give you a diminishing return on your effort. And so he will then change up the routine. He'll give you new exercises that are going to hit your muscles in different ways or even hit, target different muscles. And in that way, you're constantly pushing yourself in growth. And in the same way, our shepherd recognizes that we need to be guided. Sometimes we need to be kicked out of what is comfortable and what is safe. Sometimes we need to switch roles in our job. Sometimes he needs to bring new people into our lives that are going to challenge us. They're not always the easiest people, but they are people that will sharpen us like iron sharpening iron. It's going to create sparks, but ultimately we will be stronger, sharper, more capable tools in our Father's hands if we are willing to submit to it. Our Father knows what we need. Our Shepherd knows what we need. And sometimes He needs to move us out of what is comfortable into some new pathways. And He does it not only for our own well-being, because truly, a good shepherd cares for his sheep, and so he will move the sheep in order to make sure that they are well cared for, they're well nourished, that they are healthy. Sometimes, in fact, a shepherd will move the sheep out of a pasture that has tons of grass there simply because he recognizes that his sheep are getting too fat, too comfortable, too complacent, and, and they're way more susceptible to becoming cast down. And so he will move them in order to exercise them. So he not only does it for his sheep's well-being, but he does it for his own well-being as a shepherd. Because a shepherd's... Uh, what a shepherd is... You know, his, his, I'm totally blanking on the word right now. Reputation. Reputation. Thank you. <laughs> I'm so glad you guys are following along. This is awesome. This is like interactive. A shepherd's reputation is tied to the well-being of his sheep. If a shepherd doesn't care about the sheep and simply relaxes every day and lets the sheep do their own thing, those sheep are quickly going to destroy the places where they're grazing. They're going to become malnourished. They're going to become more anxious. They're going to begin butting into one another, fighting over the little tufts of grass that do remain. And ultimately, they're going to be miserable. And that will reflect upon the shepherd's ability to care for his sheep. But sheep that are well-tended well cared for. The shepherd makes sure that they are getting what they need. His reputation is going to flourish. And so he leads me along paths of righteousness for his name's sake. It's not just for him. It's also for us and our well-being. But at the end of the day, to him be the glory. And so if he wants to take us along some treacherous pathways in order to get us to where He wants us, to use us how He wants to use us, we've been bought at a price. We belong to Him. So lead on. And I'll tell you this, as somebody who has followed my shepherd through places where I did not think it was the best choice of action, through places that felt a lot like the valley of the shadow of death that we'll look at next week, I have found that if I trust my shepherd more than I fear the unknown, I'm going to discover that he is trustworthy and he is a, the most capable shepherd I could ever choose. Way more capable than I would be to shepherd my own life. And I could tell you stories of my own, but this morning uh, it just it seems like divine timing that um, I'm going to invite Danielle to come forward. 
because she's going to share the way that her shepherd has been preparing her and ultimately the, the plans that he has revealed to her along this way. So, yeah. Thank you. You're welcome. Appreciate it. Mm-hmm. Oh. Keep it up. I know I'm laughing because, of course, I lost my voice. <laughs> so I'm going to be up here sharing with you guys a story. And, um, yeah, wow, great job. Eric, way to make me cry in the middle of the sermon. Um, I know. Sorry. Um, I know. I know. Welcome to your world. This we have to deal with every day. Um, thank you so much. Appreciate that. I think I'm going to need that. Um, wow, has God taken me on quite a journey? I know a lot of you guys kind of found out this very quickly because this is part of my journey that has gone very rapidly. Um, But this has actually been... Oh, great. Now I see Rhonda crying. Um, This has been quite a journey that God has taken um, us on. It's um, really kind of earlier in this year. I remember the last time I came up to speak to you guys, I spoke to you guys at Dream Day. And I said, you know, as I'm looking at this year, I just really feel like God is giving me a posture to just surrender. And I remember placing, you know, my hands up and surrender and saying, you know, God, I want to do what you want to do. I want to I do what you want in this church. I want to lead the way that you want to lead. I don't want to do it my way anymore. I want to do it in yours. Or I shouldn't say anymore. I've been trying to follow his lead and direction this entire time. And, and I remember at that moment, it was just kind of like a flicker of a thought. But it was just like, would you really be able to surrender everything? Would you really be able to surrender this? And, you know, like any rational person, I just tossed that thought aside and said, of course. And I kept running. And um, in April, the pastors and I went to a conference up north, and it was phenomenal. And if you know anything about me, I love conferences. Oh, my gosh, I love it. I just get to worship God, and I get to hear other people who love God, and you want to teach me, and I just, like, eat it up. Like, I love conferences every year. I'm always like, thank you, elders, for sending me to this conference. It was so amazing. So this was the first time I actually got to go with Pastor Lee and Pastor Eric to a conference. And, wow, was God present? Was he there? Was it just a phenomenal time? And thank you, church, for sending me on that conference. And while I was there, the first speaker, um, of course, uh, just spoke about seasons. Beautiful, beautiful sermon. I'm hoping, don't forget it, guys, because you guys said you guys were going to talk about it. and That would be a great sermon. Um, awesome. And she talked about how, you know, with ministry, how we all go through seasons in our life. And she went through the seasons, and I was like, oh, this is so good. I love seasons. And she started talking about summer. And I was like, yeah, I'm totally in summer. Lighthouse, everything is great, you know, I'm in there, we're able to do family ministry, this is wonderful, and then she said, and then comes fall, and it comes right after summer, and sometimes fall will happen very quickly, it'll be like a, you know, a a death, you know, will happen, there'll be like a change, like an accident will happen, there'll be something that'll happen really quick, and then you know, oh my gosh, okay, I'm in a season of change, and she said, but other times, fall comes In like this whisper, it's like God is preparing you for a change. She goes, and you know it's coming, and yet you just have this pit in your stomach because you know that fall is about to happen. Can I tell you, when she said that pit in your stomach, I felt like there was like a spotlight, and in these thousands of like ministry people that like it was shining right on me, and it was like she was like just looking right at me, and she was like, Sometimes you just know, and it's this pit. And I was like, crap. (laughs) No. So I did, you know, what what I thought. Of course, I went to Pastor Lee and Pastor Eric, and I went into, and we were praying, and I began sobbing. (laughs) And, of course, I can't look at my dad because he's got his crying face. And and I, I just cried to them, and I said, I I think change is coming. I said, I don't know why. I just don't have 
this pit in my stomach. And I think God's preparing me for a change here at Lighthouse. And I know I shocked them. And they were great, though. And they said, you know what? Let's just pray over you. Like, thank you for being honest. Let's just pray. And I loved it because now I can call him dad. I don't have to say Pastor Lee. So, dad, I was talking to him. And dad told me, you know, Danielle, every time I got that, he goes, okay, I understand what you're going through. He goes, every time I got that, God always provided the opportunity that he was wanting me to move on to. And I said, okay. you know. And I was like, all right. So I'm like, okay, we're going into this. And um, we're just going to pray about it. We're just going to let God provide that opportunity. So we went into, I came back. And, of course, when I came back, then Lauren Hartman walked into my office <laughs> And told me that God had been stirring with her a change and that her and Luke were going to be moving to Ohio. Like, mic drop. Like, what? No. I thought God was preparing me for a change. I'm like, this isn't supposed to happen. Lauren and Luke are supposed to be here. It is like set. That's perfect. Okay, what? No. Like, there's no way we can't go through a change. So I did what any rational person would do, and I panicked, and I took control. And I said, God, you don't know what you're doing. And I am going to take control because I know what I'm doing. And obviously, you're not telling me it was change. It was Lauren. You just wanted me to speak to Lauren and go through that and go through that change. So I just ran this whole summer, like how Eric was talking about. You know, family was complete back burner. And I was just running. I was like, all right, I can do the children's thing. Yeah, I can do it all on my own. Okay, I can do the youth thing. Yeah, youth, we can totally do this. We can make this happen. Um, You know, oh, okay, yeah, I'll try and also get a family concept in here. As you guys know, that didn't even happen. I didn't even get to that part. And I just was running. And I just, all I can describe summer for me was just confusion, running, chaos, and empty. And yet I was doing ministry. How good. So the fall came. And I remember going to, oh, I went to camp. I can't forget that big thing. I went to camp with the youth. And God just spoke to me there. And he just said, you need to stop. You just need to stop. The change is coming. And... I continue to keep going until the pastor is brought to me. Michelle gets the answer to my prayer. Is she not here? Did she not get across? She's across the street. So please, if you can volunteer across the street, go across the center no, another time because she's volunteering. Amazing. Sorry, total side note. I love Michelle. Um, the pastor has brought Michelle to me. said, hey, you know, she's here. She's willing to help you out. She's willing to serve. And I remember that I was trying to then go about this whole idea of change on my own. And I was trying to open up doors that God continued to close. And, you know, I only have a little bit of time, so I can't continue to go into all those things. But, I again, it was me. I was trying to do it all. I was trying to make it work myself. I was trying to push open the door, and God continued to just shut it. And one door was completely slammed. And, you know, many of us here in this room knew about this door, and we thought that that was the direction that God was going to bring me, and it wasn't. And after that, I did what any reasonable person would do, and I went into the pastor's office, and I met with Pastor Lee and Eric, and again, I started crying to them. And I said, guys, I am so confused. I don't know. Like, way back when, this was back in April, God told me that this change was coming, and then this whole Lauren thing happened, and then the summer came, and I feel like God's still telling me that a change's coming. And my dad's like, you just got to be patient. I hate that word. I hate patience. And I was like, I don't want to be patient. I just want it now. I want to know what is God doing. And he was like, just be patient. And I said, all right. I said, guys, I'm just so confused. I said, I just, can I just take a little bit of time to just go and sit? at God's feet and ask him, what are you doing? Why did you put this in my heart? Why are you making me go through all of these different emotions? I'm here. I'm not here. I'm here. I'm not here. Like, it just was this continual, like he said, like the sheep just like running around. I felt like 
I was just like, God, what is the direction that you're taking me in? And seriously, these pastors are amazing. And they said, yeah, why don't you take this time? We have Michelle. She is willing to step up, do Sunday morning for you. Why don't you take this time to just sit and be in God's word and seek out his direction so that no matter what he says, you can come back confidently in where he's leading you. So October, I took off October. That's why a lot of you guys didn't see me. No, I wasn't across the street. I actually um, took off this whole month. And I still worked with the youth, which was awesome because, of course, God had this amazing plan. And he had us going in the study of Psalms. Out of all the things, we've been studying Psalms for the last six weeks. And it's been phenomenal. And I began my break going to Chicago with my mom to go see my sister. Oh, that was awesome. It was so great. And I came home, and, of course, I came back to motherhood. So I had a sick kid, and this was supposed to be the beginning of my, like, sabbatical, that in which I sat down and I got with God, and I just kind of got wrapped up into being a mom and having sick kids. And I remember on Thursday, I think it was, and I was like, you know what? If I sit here in this house, there's no way that I'm going to be able to actually just sit and listen and be with God and hear his voice. I'm just going to see laundry and chores and my to-do list and all the stuff that I have to do. And I said, I'm dropping off the kids tomorrow at school and I am committing God to every day. I'm going to drop the kids off at school and then I'm going to go down to the beach and I'm just going to sit there and sit in your word, sit in prayer and sit in worship. And that, thank you for giving me this time because this whole month of October has been me sitting down at 19th Street, just sitting in his presence. It has been the best month ever as I have just sat and I stopped. I stopped doing and I started listening. And if I can encourage you guys at all, I feel like my story is just to tell you, if you're confused, if you're not sure what's going on, just stop. Stop and sit at his feet. Thank you, Darlene. And he will answer. And I have just heard so many answers from him about what he's calling me to do, where he wants me to be. And I have to tell you, now this is at the end of my story, as many of you guys know. As I've been sitting in his word, and seeking it out, seeking his direction. I remember sitting down and writing in my journal. I meant to bring it, and of course this morning I was in charge of the boys. Chris normally does that, and I didn't get to church with my journal. Chris, you're amazing. Thank you. All these Sundays for getting the boys here. That was crazy. I love you. Um, and so anyways, in my journal I just remember writing about peace and saying, God, I just desire that peace. Show me what it is that you want me to do. I, I realize that I have to say goodbye to Lighthouse. But do I also have to say goodbye to this family ministry, to this dream that you put in my heart five years ago? And that night, guys, I received a phone call. And it was my friend Angelina. And she said, hey, Danielle, I have a crazy question to ask you. And I said, oh, okay. Like, what, you know, what is it? She said, the pastors and I here at Rock Harbor have been praying. We just found out our elementary children's director has put in her two-week notice. And we have been praying as a staff about who we think needs to come in. They're like, normally at Rock Harbor, we have, like, as Eric knows, like apprenticeships, interns. People can kind of come in and take it over, but we don't have anybody who we think can fill this role. I'm like, okay. And she's like, you know, your name keeps popping up. And we didn't think it was a possibility, but somebody finally vocalized out loud your name. And our family pastor, Brian, spoke up and said, I actually just met with Eric Wayman from Lighthouse a week ago. He goes, and he was telling me that Danielle right now might be going through a transition, and she's seeking out 
what God is trying to do in her life. And he goes, are you a close enough friend to ask her, but so she won't be offended? Because <laughs> we don't want to offend her. But would you ask her to see if she'd be interested in taking on this position? That was my reaction. I'm like, what? And she's like, well, I'm calling because I'm offering you the job of our elementary children's director here at Rock Harbor Coast Mesa. Are you interested? And I'm like, wow, is this God's plan? So I talked to my husband, and then I talked to my dad and Eric. Oh, actually, I talked to Kathy before you. Sorry. I know. <laughs> but I talked to Dad. And honestly, guy, it was just, and I, and I don't think, remember how my dad had said, whenever there's a transition coming, God always provides a way. And I have to tell you that I doubted him <laughs> in that direction and in that guidance. And I was so happy that next day to go to him and to be like, Dad, remember how you said this, I think that this may be it. And he cried, and I wasn't sure if that was a good thing or a bad thing. (laughs) And he said, Danielle, sorry, this is it. This is what God has prepared you for. I'm so happy for you. You, you know, need to take this position. Wow. Is our God amazing? I mean, what? And, you know, and then I talked to Eric, and he echoed the same thing. He even said, well, way actually, way back when, when you told me that, I thought that God might lead you in that direction. What? I didn't. <laughs> and don't, I didn't just accept. I actually went in there, and it was kind of crazy because I went in there interviewing them, not, not them interviewing me. Um, and on Tuesday, this is why it happened so fast, on Tuesday they officially then sent me the offer letter of, you know, Danielle Shervey, Rock Harbor Church in Costa Mesa would like to ask you to be our elementary children's director, and we need you to start on November 3rd. And thank the Lord, I had told the pastors we were already in on it. And so I brought it, and the elders had known the week before. And so I brought it to the pastors. I said, this November 3rd, that means this Sunday is my last Sunday. How are we going to do it? And they were like, it's all God. This is all God. God is doing this. God is working in this. He has a reason. He has a plan. You know what? Sunday it is. And how awesome is it that we're talking about Psalm 23? I mean, you know, he didn't lead me to beside green pastures or still waters, but I got the sandy beach and the the waves, the beautiful waves. I'll take that. That was beautiful. And today it's like a bittersweet because I wasn't prepared, in a sense, to leave so quickly. But yet as I look and I see all that God has done is he's been preparing me for quite a while. And even with this time of October, I thank you guys for that because even with my family he's been preparing us for this very quick very rapid change into what he's bringing me in so I just want to say thank you thank you for loving me thank you for supporting me and my family for seven years we've been here five I've been here as your children's ministry director And I just want to say, I love you guys so much. I love seeing the happenings. (laughs) And just so great how God brought you here. Sweet. Been the terminology I have to use a lot of lately. 
Obviously, the Lord has uh, led Danielle to this spot. We're excited for her. We're pumped about the opportunity for her to continue to grow. And it's because of your setting her aside and letting her develop over the last five years that she's at a place now to say, I need to do, make this next move. And I've got things that God wants to do in me and through me. And we look forward to reading materials that she'll be writing and all the great stuff she'll be involved in as she ministers over in Rock Harbor. And she's not moving. That's kind of neat, too. So she's close by. We get to continue to contact her. You can be encouraged by her and encourage her as you have a chance. Right now, I'm going to ask the elders to come up here, if they will. We're going to lay hands on Danielle as we send her out. I'm not going to say a whole lot. I don't think it's necessary. I think she's already said everything needs to be. Chris, why don't you come up, too? Can I say something real quick? Sure. <clears throat> because I can imagine that some of you are going, oh, no. Yeah, that's good. Danielle is and has been um, an unbelievably huge part of this ministry team. And it is huge shoes that she has both grown into. She didn't start out as Danielle Shergi as we know her. She started out um, as like a, what, 10-hour-a-week intern. Yeah. Yeah. Um, hey, would you just kind of take this role until we find somebody? And five and a half years later... Uh, she seems indispensable. Mm-hmm. But I know this. Our shepherd has taken care of her and guided and directed her and prepared her heart for this. And it, every time that I start going, oh my goodness, God, why? He goes, you think I don't have you too? Mm-hmm. You, you, don't, you don't think I can take care of Lighthouse Coastal Community Church? Yeah. So he's got us just as he has been guiding and directing and leading and providing for them. And so I feel a lot of peace in the midst of the unanswered questions at this point. And for those of you who have questions and want to process, we're going to meet next week after you've had a week to kind of stew on it. And we'll just process through some of these things and share. We've been preparing, but our shepherd has us. Okay, so now we just want to celebrate his faithfulness and send them out. Okay, so we're going to pray right now over Danielle and Chris as we send them off into this special ministry opportunity. So I'm going to start, hand it over to Rich, and we'll kind of move it around here. Father, thank you uh, for this wonderful daughter of mine. Thank you that you have led her to this place. Thank you for the last five years of being able to minister together. And I thank you for the many, many years ahead that we're going to watch her being used by you in special ways to encourage and direct and equip and guide those families who are in desperate need of her help. So we ask, Father, that you would speak to her and through her, that she can be a conduit for the ministry that you have set her aside for, that she may be a cup that's poured out in such a way that others are refreshed and encouraged and come to an understanding of your direction in their life. We pray for Chris as he continues to give her support and encouragement for the ministry you've called him to because it's been both of them this entire time. Continue to use him, establish him, provide for him. Thank you for his willingness to allow his wife to be used to minister to others. Lord, I just uh, thank you for Danielle and Chris and her three boys. Uh, Lord, I just thank you for bringing them into our church family, uh, for providing her as our director, Lord, of our youth ministry. She's done such an awesome job. The bar has really been raised. And, Lord, as we send her now to Rock Harbor, Lord, I just pray that uh, you just continue to bless her uh, and and all the things that she's going to do over there, Lord, because she is going to raise that bar. As well, So, Lord, I just pray that you bless her, bless Chris, bless her three boys, Lord, as they start their new, their new journey at Rock Harbor. Lord, we just love her and Chris. Lord, we just thank you again for bringing uh, the Sergi family into our church family, Lord. We just thank you and just ask you to continue to bless her in Jesus' name. Lord, I just ask you to uh, bless the Sergi family, Lord. And especially Danielle, she's been through um, quite a month, Lord, of uh, just uh, looking up to you and trusting in you, Lord. And boy, what are we going to do without a bubbly personality, Lord? I just think it's absolutely wonderful. What an inspiration. Every time Danielle comes up on stage, Lord, she just 
obsessive about your personality. And I thank you for that, Lord, in Jesus' name. Heavenly Father, thanks, thanks for being our shepherd. Thanks for walking beside us and stirring us and, you know, using your rod to point us in the right direction. And we have been so thankful to have Shergis here, and we are so heartbroken to send them off. But we know that you're not only leading them, you're also leading us. Mm-hmm. So challenge them, comfort them, shelter them, and also do the same for us. We thank you. Father, <clears throat> you're an amazing God, and it's just great to see your hand at work and see how in these very particular, specific areas and in our ministry, as well as in the individual lives here, you're leading and guiding. Lord, to, to see the history of your hand working in the people as well as this church, it is amazing just to know that we're in your hands. And this is just another example of, of how you lead and direct. Thank you for Danielle and, and just her desire to serve you, her desire to follow a dream that you put in her heart. And it is exciting. It is bittersweet to, to see this transition. But, Lord, again, you've proven yourself so capable and so amazingly above our thoughts in providing and guiding and directing. And now we just lift up the Shergi family. We've been grateful to have them be a part of our family, part of our lives, and touched so many of us in so many ways. Continue to guide and direct them both, Father, as they, as they lead now in another location, but still following your will. Mm-hmm. We're grateful for that. And again, the example that they've set for being willing to listen, being willing to change, that's huge. We lift them up to you now as they move into this new direction. May this new chapter continue to to prove your work in their lives, Father. In Jesus' name we pray.